0: And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. Welcome one, welcome all. It is another installment of the J.C. and Morgan podcast. And we are coming to you from uh, multiple spots across this great land of ours, from the mecca of college football, Atlanta, G.A., and from the mecca of what is normally one of the most beautiful cities in the summer, Chi-town Chicago that is where J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 sports is residing and uh, this is where I am uh, calling home and coming to you from as well back from a little uh, vacay J.C. hope that uh, you've gotten some R&R since we last spoke I I I had every now and then I just gotta I gotta get out you know (laughs) I already live kind of a nomadic lifestyle when you're uh when you're doing games for uh broadcast television there are no home games right I mean every game I do now is not for a team so there's no game where I can roll out of bed and and be to a stadium or an arena in, in 20 minutes uh they all involve long drives or flights and uh it's easy to complain about that it gets old after a while sleeping in hotels and uh, driving rental cars. I, I'm, I'm not as soft as some of these uh, multimillion-dollar NBA players that are <laughs> complaining that they, the meals that they're being served on the reg are, are not quite good enough. Um, but I, I think what, what comes with a nomadic lifestyle is you, you just can't sit still in one city for too long and not having to travel this year for, uh, for baseball. Uh, and, of course, we would have been at SEC Media Days here in Atlanta this year uh, I, I found myself having to get away. So I've got a lot of family in Florida, as you know, and it's the third voyage to the sunshine state I have made. I know that might uh, raise some eyebrows because of what you hear in the news. So I can just tell you I've had multiple family members uh, tested for COVID of all ages from the 60s to the 20s and everybody in between. Uh, and uh, my significant other, she's been tested. Neg- everybody's been negative. Um, and knock on wood, I don't know anybody and I've got a lot of family and friends in that state that has it or even knows anybody that has it. So hopefully that'll continue. Um, as, as numbers come in and nobody knows what to believe anymore, in some cases, uh, we we could just hope that, uh, we're actually getting some accurate information and that, uh, the numbers continue to, uh, or depending on what you want to believe, either continue or to divert into the right direction. If you believe death rates, you think uh, they're going in the right direction already. If you are a part of the media craze that is the spike in positive tests, uh, then you hope that it goes back in the correct direction that we had, say, what, six weeks ago, when it looked like we were really in good shape. Um, all this, of course, is relevant to what we're talking about, which is the the health and the status of the upcoming college football season. We're going to get knee-deep into that. Uh, I've had a chance to talk to some people that I trust, administrators, athletic directors from both the SEC and the ACC uh, to just add a little bit of perspective and accurate information in a sea, if not ocean, of disinformation, speculation, uh, jaded viewpoints, and uh, just overall... uh, I don't even know what to call it, JC. I, we talked about the status of journalism and how it's changed over the years. But my goodness, I mean, you, it's dead. You, you've, got, you've got some national writers. And I'm not going to call them out. And Look, I, I, don't, I never fault anybody for having an opinion, whether I agree with it or disagree with it. But just, just for those that listen to us, I know we've got thousands of people that uh, download us and listen every day, and we're grateful for that. Uh, some of you know us better than others. Some of you know us from years ago and in different broadcasting stints that we've had. Some of you have maybe heard through the grapevine. These guys are doing a pretty good podcast. Let's give it a shot. So maybe you don't know exactly, um, where we stand on things. I, I am one that, uh, does not mind hearing the truth. And I do not come on here as a cheerleader for anything or anybody. Okay, so uh, there's been a lot of, as I mentioned, the same national writers um, that seem to share the same brain, the same thoughts, the same condescending tone, uh, the same. uh, I think a lot of Southerners are just a bunch of inbred idiots that are incapable of digesting the facts and uh, uh, and figures on this virus and how it pertains to college football. Um, I, I don't I. I don't mind what their opinion is at all. I I, want to hear their opinion. Um, The way they, (laughs) the way they uh, circulate their information sometimes is a little bit discouraging. These are the same guys that they really think you care about what they think about Tommy Tuberville now being elected to the U S Senate in Alabama. I I mean, I really, I don't care about your opinion of that. I just don't, I have got bigger fish to fry, but um, nevertheless, there's a lot out there. And if you, if you keep hearing in this echo chamber of the same guys, and I don't know where they get all their information from, I'm sh- and these are these are intelligent people. Let me just say, I'm not, um, I, I'm not trying to just pile on and, and say they're a, a bunch of idiots. These are intelligent people that I'm sure have some sources, uh, and I and I enjoy reading some of their stuff, but um, but they're letting you know in their own way, okay that they think the whole idea of having a college football season this fall is insane. If they could really they, – they give you hints. They drop kind of uh, hints here and there about how they truly feel. It's, it's in their tweets. It's in their segments. It's in their articles. Uh, and, and sometimes it's more direct than others. But in a roundabout way, what they're saying is – This is stupid that we're even thinking about having a college football season. I mean, look at the science. Look at the numbers. You all must be crazy. And while other people are feeding you positive kumbaya mumbo jumbo, I'm going to tell it like it is. Okay? So they all got the gift they've been waiting for last week when the Big Ten commissioner, and Kevin Warren is a new name to all of us, right? Kevin Warren is the the newest uh, power five conference commissioner had to do a little background check on him i know he was a a fine basketball player in the ivy league Uh, other than that um, his credentials as a conference commissioner you know it's kind of new territory for him i hope he does a tremendous job Uh, but he went out last week and just declared conference only model for the big 10 the way he did it, perhaps, is even a bigger story than the actual news itself, because this has been speculated for a while. But the way he did it was, for for weeks on end, going back to March, these guys, the five families, as i have like to call them, and I know that line's been stolen a, a thousand times over, uh, but it, it's like the five families all getting together over a nice pasta dinner at your local uh, <laughs> restaurant in uh, New York. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, no offers that we can't refuse have been, have been made yet, unfortunately. Um, but the, they have been talking on zoom calls multiple times a week for months. Okay. Because even though college football does not have a czar or a commissioner, as we discussed in length with Tim Brando about a month ago, Uh, they do, these are the five people that control the sport as we know it. Okay. With all due respect to the Ivy league and a lot of people jumped on that story. Uh, uh, there was one guy on Twitter, again, a guy I like, he's a, he's a a guy out of Memphis and and does a good job, particularly when it comes to college basketball. He he tweets out there. Oh, wait, you just wait. Now the others are going to follow. No, what the Ivy league does on their college football season has no bearing on what these five conferences are going to do. Not a bit. They looked at that news and said, that's great. Okay, I'll let you know what we're going to decide when we decide it. But uh, these conference commissioners have been going back and forth, back and forth, and it was kind of understood that, hey, we might not agree on everything. We might not do the exact same game plan on this, but we're going to at least let you know what we're going to do before we announce it. So apparently, from what I've been told, Kevin Warren just went rogue. Kevin Warren did not tell any of them that he was going to, a week ago, nationally announce that we're going conference only and then, you know, gave the same uh, justification of it. Well, we've got to consider the the safety and well-being of our student-athletes, and this is a virus that we just don't know what you would expect. So that kind of took everybody off guard. And then you had the, the same group um, who, again, thinks it's insane to even think of having a college football season this year. They were telling you, aha, now now it's all going to – the dominoes are going to fall. Kevin Warren just said it. The Big Ten just did it. So now Greg Sankey, now John Swafford, now Bob Bowlesby, you're all going to fall asleep. Well, in the case of Larry Scott, you might be right. But in the case of the other three conferences and the two that we talk about the most on this particular podcast, uh, the SEC and the ACC, that had no bearing on what they're doing. They have no games. The SEC specifically have no games in common with the Big Ten. There are two games with the Pac-12, one, of course, the big one with Alabama and Southern Cal. I believe the other one, correct me if I'm wrong, J.C., A&M Colorado. Yes, yes, A&M Colorado. Okay, so uh, two games we know that are on the schedule for SEC schools are not going to be played. We do not know anything else. Nothing else has been determined. The Greg Sankey and the conference commissioners meeting in Birmingham on Monday. uh, I did not expect anything concrete to come out of that. And it didn't. And why should it? It's July, as we speak, July 15th. They don't have to make this decision now. Yes, the clock is ticking. Everybody understands that. Uh, But you could make this decision as late as August 5th, as from what I'm told. So, I want to get your thoughts, J.C., because I already feel like I've I've been going on a monologue here. And then yeah. I'm just going to I'm just going to go on some facts that I've been told. And, and again, have no I, predictions are meaningless. OK, they're like belly buttons. We all have one, but we don't know why. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm not going to give you a prediction just for the sake of a prediction. But I'm going to give you some things that are being discussed and going on that perhaps you haven't heard from the same usual. Uh, people on Twitter and other sources giving you all the reasons why it would be insane to have college football in the fall. But that being said, go ahead, JC. How are you, sir?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm I'm doing well. Um, Obviously, you know, back and forth between Chicago and the mother, the motherland down there. I think that, you know, it's kind of funny. they, They ease travel restrictions up here and then down there they have the virus basically explodes. And so, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I've probably, I, I've never been tested for I probably had it. I don't, I have no idea. Um, but you know, not getting to travel like you did, Mike, uh, but, uh, certainly have done things like in the backyard, we build a fence. We know. have one of those blow up pools and <laughs> we grill a lot, you know? So I, I think that's been kind of my summer. I'm having trouble believing it's July 15th. <laughs> um,
0: just I making, don't even know what year it is. anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to forget this year, but I, it's hard to remember it is 2020.
1: Well, I keep the time basically, uh, you know, based on two things, you know, sports and weather. Yes. And and I move up here or I come up here and, you know, I'm staying here for the pandemic, pandemic hits. And, you know, I'm used to, to it getting warm, you know, in March down South, you know, that's golfing weather sometimes in February, you know, it gets warm. And, uh, you know, up here, it, it didn't even get to the 80s until June 1st. And so then you throw on it that, like, there's been no baseball, no college baseball, no March Madness. And I feel like I've been kind of in suspended animation, so to speak, because it, it just got warm. So, so to me, it kind of feels like April-ish a little bit. And I'm like, eh. You know, so, so that's been there. Um, you know, I, Clay Travis, who I listen to uh, sometimes on a podcast, and and I keep mentioning him, and I think it's because I agree with him on a lot of things, uh, mentioned the other day that that a lot of these guys are are peddling fear porn, Um, and I think that's a good term, you know, fear porn. Uh, I think that I'll take it a step further. I think it's part of an overarching narrative that a lot of these guys in the national media have that tie into the players need to be paid Mm-hmm. kind of thing, or that pay, players in college, college athletes are exploited, um, and w- which I think is total bunk. I mean, I think that people want to talk about exploitation in the terms of, well, this kid could go make millions of dollars. Um, and, and I have two things to say about that. First of all, you know, 3% of the total players in college football could actually go play in the NFL right now. It's a developmental sport and you have to develop. All right, you want to take it a step further and have a minor league, Let's take the top 1,000 recruits every single year. That's mid-three stars all the way up to your five stars. Put them in a minor league, Mike. Let's say we'd have done that in 2000. Um, How popular do you think minor league football would be you know, TV rights-wise and all that compared to college football right now.
0: We we can't even get a a spring pro football league to survive more than a season. It's a miracle if they they get more than five weeks in without being canceled.
1: College athletics, major college basketball, football, baseball is about the name on the front of the jersey. And nobody wants to talk about the value that wearing the name on the front of the jersey, the exposure on the front of the jersey um, brings to some of these guys. Um, even if they're superstars. And then the second thing is, well, if if, if you want to go do a minor league of football and let these guys go get paid, they're not going to get paid that much um, because financially it's really tough. and, And, you know, college football, the health will be fine. My point always is you can find somebody to play. There are millions of football players across the country begging for the opportunity. And the quality of the game to me probably wouldn't even drop. And uh, he didn't kill college basketball when they had the one and done. So that's number one. Number two, nobody ever talks about the 97%. The vast majority of players to where college athletics, college football in particular, opens plenty of doors. I see more and more players that I scouted as recruits because I'm getting old entering college coaching at a high level, like a power five level. Those jobs might pay between three and 500 grand a year. That's more than you make first year as an attorney, you know, and, and if they had never played the game and weren't familiar with the coaching staff and stuff that they would have never gotten it. So that's why those people are wrong. And they have that bitterness about it because they believe the sport as an institution is inherently evil because all they're doing is looking at money and saying these are amateur athletes and they're applying it to the coronavirus fear, you know, and, and, and then you mentioned the, the, and this is something that's not political. In my opinion, I got, I got accused on a podcast the other day of making this political cultural and regional bias. Like you talk about people from the South, like they're dirt or idiots or whatever. And you just paint a broad brush with a bunch of people that way and then blame them. Even though there's a, the CDC director today came out and said a lot of the spread in the South is because people from the North decided to vacation in the South. Um, you know, you're 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 biased. You're being biased. You know, you're painting a group of people with a broad brush. I think a lot of it has to do with jealousy. Not only jealousy for the football programs we have down there, because if you're involved with college football, you know, like the SEC. You're jealous. And number two, um, Mike, quality of life. Quality of life in the South's great, and people, you know, in other parts of the country where they're maybe struggling a little bit with it, where kind of their way doesn't work anymore. You don't like high taxes. Uh, maybe you're not. Pro-union, you know, maybe you're not uh, all down with the cold and you move south and you have a better life. And a lot of people have done that. The statistics will show you it's jealousy there, too. So I think it's a bunch of crap um, what some of these guys are putting out uh, and the the social justice end of it, which is I I don't even think has anything to do with social justice. I think it has a lot to do with cultural bias and arrogance and elitism, all of which are very negative things
0: there's a lot to unpack there and I don't have enough time to get into each one of those. I mean, I've, I've brought up a number of times on this podcast that yes uh, a lot of the people that are writing about this particular subject come to it through the prism of, I believe college athletes are exploited. And they're getting the raw end of the deal. And there's no question. I've even heard a couple of people use the term Guinea pigs. I just think it's a crime that we use these kids as Guinea pigs First of all, a couple of things, and this is one of the things I, I did uh, ascertain in my discussions. It, this, is, this is not a small thing, and it should be pointed out uh, in more areas. No college football athlete, no scholarship athlete, is going to lose their scholarship for backing out of the season due to their concerns over COVID-19. Let me repeat that. No SEC, ACC, Big Ten, etc. cetera, college football player who says, you know what, I know there's a season, uh, and I appreciate it, but I've talked it over with my mom, and I'm a little scared about it, so I'm not going to play. Okay, Johnny, sorry about that. Understand your concern you will keep your full-ride scholarship. In other words, we're still paying for your meals, your lodging, your schooling, okay? That is no small commitment. You're talking about colleges, university athletic departments about to hemorrhage money with the mere thought of there not being a football season. So trust me, that money doesn't just come out of the sky. That is a commitment, but that has already been done. Number two no matter what numbers you want to believe, no matter what you angle you come at this from, it is indisputable. The coaching staff, much older than the college football athletes themselves, are at a much higher risk of contracting it, and the effects could be much more harmful if they do. Uh, of all the positive tests we have seen around college football already, and predictably, and I told you this, JC, that the, the, the articles were already written, just a matter of waiting for a couple of pieces before they hit the send button, uh, none of them have been hospitalized. None of them. That's not a small thing. Like, I mean, forget about death. I mean, we're not even talking about that. None of them have, have been so much as hospitalized. And the numbers show clearly at that age, particularly if you're already in good health and don't have underlying conditions, the chance of death, if you want to put it in its most morbid terms, is it is next to none. It is truly a better chance of getting hit by lightning in that particular case. Uh, Is that the end all be all? No. I mean, I don't want anybody to be sick. Uh, Is it going to be difficult to keep players from testing positive throughout the year? I'm sure there is. But let me just throw a few more facts your way. Uh, Number one uh, misnomer that that needs to be corrected. The whole idea that the SEC and ACC, even though they haven't announced it, they've already clearly determined there's just no way to play the out-of-conference games and a conference model is inevitable, that's completely false. Uh, I'm not saying it's off the table, but it's completely false. There are three models minimum on the table for these leagues okay and one of them yes involves playing a full 12 game schedule that is not off the table you say well wait a minute now how could they play all 12 what if you're playing a school from the southern conference and we know they don't have the same money that the sec school does so how are they going to guarantee the same level of testing well here's the thing you got to remember The SEC, the ACC school that's playing that smaller conference school, and I just use the Southern Conference as an example, could easily have been the Sun Belt. The the, the Power Five school that's got that game scheduled controls everything. So if you're going to get that payout, if you're going to get that $750,000, that $1 million, whatever it is, you are going to follow the testing protocol that that school insists you follow otherwise the game's off the game's off you think that might motivate those schools to make sure they have the proper testing for at least that week absolutely what they do now and what they do three weeks from now it you know that's I I don't know but what they do the week before they play that game I promise you there will be something in writing and there will have to be tests administered and there will have to be obviously completely negative or if you're positive you have to sit that out that's number one so do not think because of what the big 10 has done or what you've been told that you're automatically the 12 game schedule is completely off the rails do not think that a conference schedule plus plus an out of conference game is off is completely out of question why is that significant well only because the biggest game for south carolina And Clemson every year is South Carolina Clemson, the biggest game for Florida, Florida State. For a lot of the fans, I realize this is debatable, and I'm not here to to, to get into that whole thing. Uh, For a lot of Gator and Seminole fans, it's that game. (laughs) It's that game. For Kentucky and Louisville, I mean, Kentucky and Louisville are not not playing for national championships these days, even though they've had blips of, of success. That game is bigger than a lot of people outside the state of Kentucky think. And then, of course, there's Georgia, Georgia Tech. You could very easily have a model where you play conference only and an additional game. And that additional game would be your in-state rival. And for the other schools, obviously, they'd have to plug the hole. That is very much on the table, despite maybe what you've heard to the contrary. Uh, do not think that, that those games are completely off the table. The season could start in mid-sep- uh, mid-September. It could start as late as October. That is still on the table also is noteworthy. Leagues such as the SEC have their own medical council. They have on staff doctors who are doing their own studies, crunching their own data, and coming up with their own uh, ideas of what level of safety can be had through a season. So I know for a lot of people, we only know one name, right? It's Dr. Fauci. Uh, Dr. Fauci is not you know, he's not hired by college football and college football is not waiting for Dr. Fauci to tell them what they should and shouldn't do. Uh, but the conference commissioners will certainly be leaning on their own in-house medical council to find out what exactly are we looking at. Also, a lot was made. There's 12 ADs that we meeting on Monday. Well, the ADs don't have the final say. The school presidents have the final say. As we all know, School presidents are not all built out of the same mold. Some of them have a background in academics, excuse me, in athletics. Some of them are are fans of actual sports. Some of them are more traditional, dare I said, no uh, pejorative intended, propeller heads they're academians and their idea of sports doesn't really it's just it's very uh to use your analogy jc from like the 1950s where they're wearing the jacket and i i do say so let's go to a game uh for some of them it's it's not a true passion uh they'll look at the numbers and the amount of money that would be lost without it but they're not as I- invested in it as as every other president might be so all this comes into play I think what's also significant is that the SEC and the ACC are not exactly best buds, right? Uh, You know, you, you, you hear different things and obviously those are rival conferences and the ACC gets tired of hearing how good the SEC is in football and the SEC uh, doesn't necessarily like some things about the ACC and they both want to beat each other up. That's all healthy. I mean, there's there's nothing scandalous about that, but from what I understand, there is, some actual cohesion here between those two leagues. It was improperly reported the day that the Big Ten made their announcement uh, by one national reporter in particular who led people to believe that it was only going to be a matter of time before the ACC followed suit with the same statement that day. That never happened, and that still hasn't happened today as we sit here on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, The ACC is very aware of those four games I just mentioned and the importance of those to the fans, to television, to everything. Uh, so the sec and the ACC, unlike the big 10 and Kevin Warren, who just went rogue and ran his own play, uh, the sec and the ACC, they're not partners, but they do have some mutual interest here. And, and I think that's, that's also should be noted. So what is the biggest concern if we started this football season and played it on time and we had, everything was normal, which is what we thought we were looking at. It looked very, very probable about six weeks ago. The biggest concern is not having these college football players on campus because they're actually in a lot of ways safer on campus than they would be just back home doing nothing. Uh, In addition, if they do contract the virus, they've got the best medical care right there, which ordinary people just don't really have the same access to. Uh, if, If you don't believe me go ahead go ahead and take a day standing in a covid-19 testing line see see how fun that is then see how fun it is waiting for the results then see how fun it is trying to get a follow up with your doctor that's what that's what regular americans actually face uh, putting you and i in that in that category of regular americans that's not with, uh, what a big time college athlete faces you go to the front of the line you're tested often you get the results if you're you're immediately taken care of, if you test positive and they're doing everything in their power to make sure that you are back uh, in proper health and test negative shortly thereafter. So all those things are uh, are are, are at, at play right now. But the biggest concern is when the students come back, it's hard to believe uh, that there won't be some kind of spike when 30,000 students arrive back on campus. Now, I use that number, that's a very uh, f- flawed number, because if you read between the lines, a lot of these schools, they're they're not going to be fully, it's not going to be a regular on-campus environment. There's going to be a lot of online instruction. So they're open, but it's not like it normally is, right? Uh, and you're you're going to do things to keep away your students' from, from interacting with as many parts of the student body as you possibly can, because you, you don't know what they've been doing. And, you know, then you've got situations, girls, uh, trying to sneak into athletic, uh, where the athletes are and so on and so forth. That's that's already gone on in multiple places. I can assure you. So those are all things you got to be considered, but that's the biggest concern right now is so the opening, uh, Saturday is what? September 5th, not counting week zero and one of the students normally come back on campus, J.C., late August, right? Late August, yeah. Okay, so late August comes, and then there, there's a spike, and, of course, uh, the news media gets a hold of that, and they can't wait to tell you how dangerous uh, an environment college campuses are. And so now you're going to play week one that Saturday following the news, the spike. That's the biggest concern, and that's where it could be backed up. From September fifth to something else, uh, and I don't know how you're going to how much answers are going to be atta- how many answers are going to be attained between now and the end of July or the first week of August. But you hope you're going to get good numerical data and good news uh, a- as much as you can to make that decision. Schools know they're going to take a bath on the gate and concessions this year. As, I've, as we've said many times, there's not going to be sellout crowds this year. That, that's a pipe dream. Never thought that would be the case. And there might be games with, with very, very little fans. We just don't know. But if you don't play, you got the chance of losing about mm, $50 million in TV revenue. Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of motivation to play, not to mention what the people want right now, which is college football. But yes, for The survival of a lot of athletic programs does rely on that. If we don't have college football in 2020, it is no exaggeration to say that there are going to be a lot of sports cut, a lot of fall sports. Will And I'm talking SEC schools. I'm not talking about the MAC. I'm not talking about Conference USA. I'm not talking about the Sun Belt. School, sports at major schools will be cut. Jobs will be lost. Students that had a scholarship will lose a scholarship. Students that wanted to fulfill their dreams as a college athlete that'll all be thrown aside. So those are some of the facts um, that I've seen some of it out there. I've seen some of it distorted. And I've seen some of it where I wonder, are these people, are they just spitballing? I mean, do they have any information at all? Are they just pulling for a certain outcome? I just don't know sometimes. But those are some important facts that are all being discussed right now. And as you heard Greg Sankey say on Monday, uh, they're not making a decision till end of July, and, and I think that could possibly go even a couple of days after that. But that, that's where we are right now. I'll read for you one other thing. You mentioned Clay Travis, JC. Uh, Greg Sankey was on his podcast today, and I had a chance to go back and listen to it. A uh, couple of things that are out there. Number one, he talks about uh, they will jump on a call with their medical group. He says, last week, our numbers were way down in the low single digits to zero. One of my school presidents said, quote, hey, I'm comfortable that we can support and oversee and keep people healthy. And part of what's had to happen is the education about how you conduct yourself on your own time. So make of that what you will, but none of that says, oh, yeah, we got to cancel college football in the fall. There's no chance it'll happen. None of that is out there from the decision makers in the leagues we're talking about, despite what you might have heard or read. And with that, I submit the floor back to you, sir.
1: Oh, yeah, I thought that was significant, what Sankey, where Sankey was quoted today about talking to the president. He actually, it seemed like on Feinbaum, on Monday, he was a little, almost down in the dumps a little bit, but he, he was coming off that meeting with the athletic directors and cases were spiking. And I, I think a lot of that, uh, appearance on Feinbaum was kind of, you know, addressed to the, the population, you know, like, like I've said about folks wearing masks and stuff like that, you know, I've, and I've said it on this podcast and everything else. I don't think wearing a mask is a political issue. I, I think, you know, you do it, um, look and, uh, I know there's studies that say it doesn't even work or help or whatever, but uh, you know just do it. Everybody needs to kind of chip in and do their part uh, to get those numbers down to see if we can have a season. Um, so I think I think it was kind of calculated the, the kind of the down and the dumps deal on fine bomb, and, and that kind of led to some some of the uh, you know what I've been calling the you know the the, the college football. Uh, intelligentsia <laughs> uh, to say, oh, it's, uh, the, I mean, big columns. They see the mighty is in danger. There's no question it's in danger. Well, then today on OutKick, you know, Sankey sounded kind of upbeat and confident, you know, and, and we don't, you know, the more people I talk to behind the scenes, and I'm sure you two, is, is that there's no, like, oh, my God, if this doesn't happen, we have to cancel the season, or oh, my God, this is it. You know, death rates are down. Um, which is the bottom line on everything. And then you tell people that and you point to that. And that's a fact and a positive thing that people aren't dying as often of this thing. And it's just like, well, there's studies in Spain that say you can have long-term damage and we just don't know. Well, nobody, you, you don't cancel things based on what you don't know. Okay. You don't lock things down based on what you don't know. I mean, good Lord, um, a, a, a squirrel died of bubonic plague in Colorado the other day. We don't know if the bubonic plague is going to spread. You know, Harry, hey, hey, what about this bubonic plague, you know? I mean, it's it's just, you know. What if it survived on eating hot dogs? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it, this thing, this virus has become so politicized, it makes me want to throw up. You know, and it should never have been. But but because we're kind of in this tribalistic society in America right now, you have people rooting for outcomes. Um, Unfortunately, you've got certain sides rooting for disaster. So they can say, I told you so. So They As Clay said the other day, justify their fear, you know, because Mm -hmm. these are the same people that were like, sports are never coming back, you know, and, Clay made a good point there too. I'm I'm citing him because his his opinion aligns with mine and I don't want people to think I plagiarized it. But, you know, and, and I think there is justification. Another thing I said too, taking it a step further was, you know, I'm a reporter, journalist, personality, whatever you want to call it. You know, I own a website. I've broken news. I've had stories before. I try to be accurate. I like to be right. We in this business, Mike, love to be right. No question. But, but more than that, we hate to be wrong. <laughs> hate right. it. And so all these people have stood on this table of no sports and it's going to be a disaster or whatever. And I don't know what their motivation was. I know some people's motivation is because there's an election in November. Um, I, I guarantee you. not Maybe not everybody that's an alarmist about the virus feels that way, and it shouldn't be that way, but I guarantee you. I think there's another side of it that thinks – miraculously, if we just open back up and ignore the virus, then the economy is going to come back strong. And that's going to impact what happens in November. It's crazy, that kind of thought. But that does drive both sides of this. And so I'm saying – here's the thing. Is these people, they were the same ones. that were like sports are never coming back. The Major League Baseball is never playing. Major League Baseball would have been playing right now had they not had a stupid labor dispute. Correct. The NBA will never come back. And if you notice, these are the same exact people – that are, you know, when, when a, a multimillionaire um, basketball player like Ray John Rondo, you know, takes a picture of the nicest hotel room at Disney you could possibly get. And, look, I know it's not the Ritz Carlton, but they're still nice. The five-star hotel rooms there are very nice. Uh, and calls it the Motel 6. They're the same ones going, yeah, see, see, this isn't going to work. The, the, these NBA players are being exploited, you know? And, 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 and so they've lost all that because every other sport's coming back. And it, the, the NFL hadn't once said, hey, we may not have a season. Never. In fact, they're getting face shields and stuff to, to kind of mitigate everything. Um, and so so now the only sport you have left is college football, and then you have a college football media that's openly hostile towards the current system that's in place based on their opinion – uh, about the social justice aspect of the sport. And I think that's what's sad and what's driving that narrative is just people are, you know, they want to be right or don't want to be wrong so bad. They're willing to just burn it all down. And and, and that's, that's that's not how we operate in this country. That's not how college football operates. That's not how humanity should operate. Um, and that's why I think they're completely wrong and off base.
0: Yeah. And again, if it was just an opinion, uh, an educated opinion, Hey, I don't think it, it's going to happen. Okay. Uh, look, Fine, I'm not going yeah. to fault you for that. Um, but a lot of it comes from, from areas you spoke of. And a lot of it comes from quite frankly, uh, just the <laughs> I, I mentioned the word smug. It's just like, uh, you, you silly little sports fan peasants who think this is going to happen. Let me educate It, it you think you 're the by being the most cynical you think you 're the smartest guy in the room, and it just doesn 't always work out that way uh, so I, look i don 't care about being right or wrong i 'm not making guarantees on any of this. This has always been as i 've said something that is is fluid that is in a state of flux. That I'm not gonna give you the can science determines what's gonna happen. That that's such a no. such a lame the, the science uh, says eighteen thousand different
1: I was gonna say nobody can agree you, on the science. You, you can find like I, I saw a study one time where it says, Hey, a study in New Zealand showed that if you're a smoker, you know, your chances of dying of COVID are less. Right. Less right. like in other words, like smoking like helped you it, prevent from getting
0: I mean <laughs> yeah, yeah go go back and and watch some videos from the leading scientists go watch what they said about this virus back in January and February and, oh, yeah. and, and tell me how uniform the science is uh but but I don't know and, and look yeah I want college football as much as the next guy but if it's if it's deemed to be an absolute uh lethal and dangerous situation Uh, then then no i will gladly sign on with uh either the spring model which i think is the very very last resort uh or if we have to even miss an entire season and watch businesses go out watch people lose their jobs watch programs get cut uh so on and so forth then then that'll happen i mean i i don't want it to happen i know a number of people already in other lines of work who have lost their jobs. uh, It sucks. And it's just part of the reality. But I I just, I don't think we're there. I I just don't. That's not um, ignorant optimism. That's just based on what I know. And I, I think the next couple of weeks will be telling. I mean, if you start seeing huge rises in death rates and huge rises in hospitalizations Uh, In the next couple of weeks, there's no question that puts the season in peril. And that's going to have everybody scrambling. The difference between, by the way, a conference only model and a full season is really not that much. Like that is a pardon my French, a half ass attempt to look like you have a solution to a, a much more complex problem, because if it really is. That big of an epidemic that it's going to cause just a myriad of issues that no one wants, no one knows what to do with. Then you're not going to be able to play a conference-only model, like the different, like eight games. Oh no, everything's fine. Twelve games, eleven games. Oh my goodness, you're putting millions of lives at risk. It's just not that huge. And this whole notion, well, if you had spread out by weeks, that can. You don't know how long somebody who tests positive is going to have it. Uh, one other, one, I'll say this, and then I'll, I'll shut up, JC. One other key uh, thing that I did learn. It's not going to be a situation where uh, let's just say there is a breakout. Let's say, hypothetically, uh, the Missouri Tigers have a, an absolute breakout and 30 guys test positive the week leading into a game with Georgia. That that game is just going to be off the board. They're not going to try and play it. They're not going to forfeit it. it it's just poof. It's, it's canceled. Just like you would if it was a hurricane or some other natural disaster. Uh, that game is going to be off the board so uh, they're, they're not looking at it like well if we just have a bunch of bye weeks we can just reschedule and mix and match a bunch of so that sounds all good in theory but try to be the person that has to do that and mm-hmm. has to change schedules like mid-october uh, that's probably not going to be the reality a, a more realistic scenario would be if that happens and god knows we hope it's extremely rare if if at all you're just going to have to punt on that game that game is just going to be a lost game in the regular season.
1: Well, you know, what I've heard is is they're trying to, what we may see, and this is all speculation, is because, you you know, and you've mentioned this several times, the conference championship games, even the ones that aren't the SEC championship game, are moneymakers for these conferences. Yes. They are money makers, And, and so, and, and this kind of came from what the Big Ten, what, what I believe the Big Ten is going to do, is they're going to front-load conference uh, division games? In other words, you may see Michigan of Ohio State in Week Three, and you do that. And you're not necessarily spreading it out, but you're trying to get. It. So, so then, okay, so then you get to to Week Five, and you you play what six divi- six, six division games, and uh oh, there's uh oh, we have Georgia, Missouri, and we have a breakout. Well, at that point, then you can you can kick that can on down the road a little bit maybe cancel a cross-division game, uh, maybe in the standings you're only counting division games, and you could still have a fair way to get to a championship game because I, I think, you know, financially, they need the championship game. I don't know. I, I'm not even going to be able to speculate what will happen with the playoff. Um, I, I kind of think we may have a one-year expansion. Maybe not. Um, it just depends. And, and then so you make it through division play, and then you have cross division, you already determined your division champions or whatever. You're basically playing for playoffs or whatever. Well, then if you have an outbreak, you just cancel that game and move on. You know, oh well, you know, Texas Tech can't play this weekend or whoever. Uh, that's probably a bad because the Big Twelve's got all conference games. But uh, you know, let's say Ole Miss is playing uh Florida. They're supposed to play Florida and and that comes in like week eight. Uh, Ole Miss has an outbreak. Oh, you just you just skip it, like you said. And I think that's smart. If the idea is to get to a conference championship game, you do that. Now you also see these other models out there, uh, like in the Richmond Times Dispatch today. Where and I and I know that the ACC, I know that they're talking about this. I don't know that it will happen, but somebody, you know, Dave Teal is a pretty connected ACC reporter, so he got it from somewhere. It's fascinating. They add Notre Dame. They go to 15 teams and they play three pods. And then they play every team in the pod twice. That gives them eight games, like a like a like an NFC South kind of schedule, <laughs> or whatever. I don't know how you determine the champion. Do you have conference semis? I don't know what you do, but
0: um, I'm not smart uh, enough to figure that one out.
1: I yeah, think. I don't know how you get it with three, that's but you know that, that's another model. But I, I do agree that if they do go conference only, um, it is smart to to try to. To make the emphasis on on division games, then cross division, and then if you want to play the rivalry games, and, and, and look, everything may be fine, and we may be sitting here with SEC ACC Challenge weekend because um, they you know, and, and I, I think Georgia Virginia is probably off because if you're going to play ACC SEC Challenge weekend um, under this scenario, you know Georgia's got Georgia Tech, but you can see everything from like you know, Virginia versus Ole Miss to pit Texas A&M, the Jackie Sherrill Bowl. Uh, you could even do Ole Miss and Duke could do it the David Cutcliffe Bowl, you know, or, or something Tennessee could play, um, you know, in uh, not NC State, Wake Forest, somebody like that. I don't know. You know, I think there's a lot of fun kind of opportunities there if it gets to that. Um, and, and look, in my world, I, I think that, playing the schedule as scheduled all 12 games and rocking and rolling is fine because I, you know, I think the littler schools need the money. Um, And, and, you know, a lot of SEC teams, if they're playing only SEC opponents, that record's not going to look so swift. A
0: little
1: more wear and tear. Without the layups. So that's the deal.
0: Yeah. And again, uh, from what I'm told, Uh, if you played those out-of-conference games against the lesser uh, opponents, so to speak, I hate to use that term, uh, the Group 5 and the FCS, those schools would be under strict testing guidelines, basically dictated by the SEC uh, before they would be allowed to step on campus and, and have that game take place. So the onus would be, on those schools to do it, not the other way around. Uh, And the motivation is obvious for those schools. Uh, They want to play the game and they need the money. They need the stinking money, uh, in some cases for survival. So I I think it's safe to say they'll do whatever testing procedure and protocol is issued to them so they can keep those games intact. So uh, again, Not here to make predictions, not here to tell you what's going to be, because the people in charge don't know what's going to be. But I am here to tell you that the the things that were discussed six weeks ago that you might think are off the board because of a maelstrom of uh, negative things that have come out and uh, a regurgitating of those a thousand times over, that has not canceled the possibility of having a full season or having even a conference only plus one mm-hmm. type season, those are still very much on the board. And you just got to keep your fingers crossed that some of the data that's coming through, and I'm not talking about the data that you might see on your nightly news, the data that they are getting from professional people in the medical community uh, who know how to separate fact from fiction. And sometimes it's, it's like picking nat dung, nat dung out of pepper. Uh, they know how to do it, okay? And uh, I, one thing I know about Greg Sankey, Craig Sankey doesn't just go with the mob. Greg, Greg Sankey is, is not going to be kind of peer pressured by another conference commissioner into doing something that he doesn't necessarily think is necessary to do. And thus, while a lot of people wanted this grand jury type verdict to come out on Monday, uh, the reality is you don't need to do it on July 12th when you've got another three weeks to play with. And so that's what's going on right now. And, uh, you know, hopefully there'll be some good news to come down the pike. And if it doesn't, I'm sure the uh, people that have been telling you how awful the idea of having college football in the fall will pound their chests and say, see, I told you so in a world full of dreamers, you need people like me. Uh, but for the rest of us, we can uh, we'll just tip our head and say, well, at least you gave it every effort and every try. And that's all I've been about all along. I think I've used the uh, the, the quote from Die Hard. <clears throat> that Bruce Willis says to the uh, kind of less than competent detective, look, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. You need problem solvers. To, to, to work through something like this. This is where leadership really comes through. This is why ADs and conference commissioners and school presidents make the money they do, uh, because you do have to make some really difficult calls. And you can't just throw your hands up in the air and say, this is just too complicated. It's just too complex. I give up. Let's just quit. That's not what they're in business to do. Uh, so, just know that there are other options being looked at, and they by no means have given up on the season as of this point.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. I think that that's uh, very rational. I think we'll know in a couple of weeks a lot more, and like you said, maybe even a little before that. you know, in my opinion, uh, I've always thought it was unrealistic uh, to expect all the – and I've said this before, I've been clear about this – to expect a normal college atmosphere – like I said, they're disgusting. I was a disgusting person when I was in college. Not that I didn't shower or clean up, but you, you look at my room, there's pizza boxes. There's loads of DNA.
0: <laughs> I really didn't need that.
1: <laughs> Sorry about that. I'll tell t- you that. Know, sometimes my hair sheds or whatever. Oh, anyway, okay. yeah, so anyway, we'll, we'll go to that. But, you know, I'm just saying that you're looking to to stop the spread of a very contagious virus, whether or not. Young people get affected or hurt by it or whatever, and you're trying to keep a football team safe. You know why are you going to tie football being back with what what is a very, in my opinion, uh, and I don't want to even go unsafe, but a, a a a a definite super spread event. College in general, that's a super spread event, man. You know because those kids are not going to stay apart. Um, yeah. So, so I'm I, I, if I'm if I'm colleges and I'm playing it smart. I'm cutting in-person instruction down. I'm offering online courses. Done, uh, and Done. I'm doing football, and I'm and, I, and I'm keeping my football. I'm, I'm telling my football guys, look, you got, if you want to play, you're going to have to sacrifice some of your social life this semester. Um, and, and things will eventually get back well, to normal. That's huge.
0: Now, yeah. What you just said to me is the biggest thing of all. Yeah. Because I know for a fact SEC schools and I'm sure several other Power 5 schools have spent millions of dollars put, setting up these classrooms in a way that they've never been set up before to avoid the disgusting uh, DNA-laden uh, student who hasn't showered in a week and uh, who isn't covering his mouth when he coughs. Th- those Every possible measure is being made to do that. But at some point, like everything else in life, even for 19 to 22-year-olds, there's a little bit of self-accountability. So while it might be tempting to go out with your fellas and have a party and go ahead and and get together with a group of people in the student body uh, that you don't know if they've been tested or not, you might want to think twice about doing that because you're going to cost yourself eligibility and you're going to cost your team success Uh, there is some responsibility for the young men that we're talking about they and this is another thing that should be noted I mentioned that you know no athletes will have scholarships taken away if they pass on on playing due to COVID concerns which I think is great I think it's the right move Uh, I don't think you could avoid that the other thing is uh the overwhelming majority of players want to play. So even though that offer has been already issued by several coaches, there ain't a whole lot of takers. Most of these kids, despite what you've heard, that they're victims and they're being forced to play this game in terrible conditions. And the children are guinea pigs in this big game of chess. They're nothing but pawns for the money grubbing Uh, athletic directors and coaches and all the things you've been told the fact of the matter is they have a simple choice they can play participate or they can choose not to and if they choose not to they're not being penalized in the least so when you look at that and you look at the overwhelming majority you're saying yeah i'm i'm playing i'm in says a lot to me
1: yeah i think so too i you know i'd I think college kids, college athletes are pretty much resilient. And Now, look, I'll say this. There are going to be some players. Uh, there'll be players that opt out because their parents are legitimately concerned about their health. And there'll be players that opt out and they blame their, you know, legitimate concern about their health because they're unhappy and they're certain in their current situation and maybe think they should be starting and <laughs> all that. Um and there'll be players that opt out because there's players every year on scholarship at every school that really don't like playing football, you know? And, and and when we used to hear about guys getting their scholarships pulled, those are the guys that usually did. You don't do that anymore because it's not PC. So, you know, I, 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 I'm with you, Mike. I, I'm hopeful. Um, I'm more hopeful today maybe than I was earlier this week. Um, I, I disagree obviously strongly with the the the, the Frady Cats, in the national college football media, whether or not it's because of fear or because they just don't want a season or because they think, you know, this is their opportunity to take advantage of this to push radical change in the sport, in a sport that doesn't need radical change. It needs.
0: It's going to have radical change anyway. It, it always does. I well, mean, no, it, I mean, it, 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 you know, NL, NLI, uh, excuse me, NIL, yeah. is going to radically change the sport forever. Like that's yeah. happening. That's not even. That was pre COVID. That is going down and it's going to be here quicker than you know it. So for those that still want to believe that these kids, for those, first of all, that are naive enough to think that none of them get anything extra above and beyond the scholarship. I mean, have you seen the news on Zion (laughs) Williams? I think most people know better, but secondly, they're about to get, they 're about to get compensated like they 've never been compensated before and i'm i 'm totally good with it I think it 's going to be a logistical nightmare I think it 's going it 's going to open up a pandora 's box but hey i 'd rather see that than the constant game of how do we illegally give these kids extra money and, and the NCAA toothless in so many respects hypocritical uh, uh, in so many respects uh, selective in who they prosecute and who they don 't I'm so tired of that model. I think something did need to change. So we're there, Mm -hmm. but, but we're, we're, I I don't know what, what else do you want these young men to get? I I think they want them
1: to just get paid salaries like the pros. And that's just not going to happen. You don't even look, man, college, you know? All right. So you have to go to college to be a lawyer or a doctor, right? You can't just show up and be like, Hey, I'm good at science. You know, you need some sort of training and, you know, that's true in football. Now, now you know, look like baseball, even in baseball, you got to go through the minors. Uh, basketball, you know, you're kind of good enough to be at the end of the bench. Maybe sometimes you, if you're like once every so often, you, you got a guy that can come in and start, but it's rare. The vast majority of professional athletes have to get training from somewhere. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, you know, how do you come up with another model? You know, because I'll I'll tell you this, people can gripe about the money all they want. The money is still going to flow into college athletics with or without the players that could go pro. There are millions of football players. All you do is you move it down like, okay, so some of the guys that were, you know, playing for Furman will now be playing for South Carolina or some of the guys that were playing for App State you know, will now be playing for North Carolina. And then those other guys will just go on to the minor leagues. And then you give me 15 years and you compare the crowds and the interest and the TV money for the minors of football versus college, college is still going to be king because, of because, uh, like I said, these college sports about the name on the front of the jersey, not the back. There is value in the front of the jersey, not the back. Now, name, image, likeness, I'm with you. I'm all for it. Let's do it. It's going to change things, but let's do it. That's more of an individual freedom kind of liberty thing, in my opinion. Um, but these people that just think that you can adopt a pro model for the college and, and, and that the kids will be, you know, awash in Benjamins, uh, that's just not true. They're not thinking things through. It's an intellectually dishonest argument.
0: Uh, correct. I say there, there's nothing dishonest about Brent Skinner. We know that. The man will honestly give you the very best custom experience when it comes to the very best in men's clothing. You go right to the website now. I'm looking at it here, bpskinnerclothiers.com. I don't mention this enough, but not only do they have uh, the very best in custom-made suits and clothing and accessory, and they got really good even like footwear, like sneakers. Uh, they've got uh, they've got the face mask we've talked about. I mean, for 25 bucks. I've worn a mask now several times, uh, particularly whenever I travel, uh, when I've been in certain stores, when I've gotten a haircut. The thing about the mask, JC, is it it, it gets a little rank after a while. I mean, I yeah, don't care how good does. your hygiene is, it just it just and you're you're breathing in that rank. So you want one that's uh washable that you can actually clean. He's got those. Uh 25 bucks and they're like they look good and they'll last and you don't have to wear the uh the rank ones, which, uh, which I've been doing, uh, unfortunately, too much. And, and, of course, as I've told you a number of times, and so many people that have been able to take advantage of this, uh, he will come to you. You can follow him on social media. You can follow him uh, on the website. And you can just give him a call, set up an appointment. He'll come to you no matter where you are in the great U.S. of A. He'll fit you. He'll give you all the samples of all the different fabrics, of all the different looks, all the different patterns, and then poof, it's shipped to your door in a short amount of time. Don't have to sit there and go through retail store after retail store and deal with pushy salesmen and uh, who wants to do all that? I get a headache the moment I'm in a retail store for more than like five minutes. So just go ahead and deal with Brent directly, the owner, the proprietor, the clothing savant. He is Brent Skinner. Just call or uh, go to the website, get the number, and uh, set up an appointment today. It's com. We've only got a few minutes left, J.C. There have been some other things going on. Uh, I guess the biggest news, J.T. Daniels now has, de- has been determined he does not have to sit out a year, so all of a sudden, Georgia's got a nice little quarterback battle brewing between Jamie Newman and J.T. Jan- J- JT Daniels, as if it's not enough that Georgia – stockpiles some of the best freshmen in college football every year under Kirby Smart. It seems like they've been getting some of the best transfers every year, and now they're not even sitting out.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. Both uh, – Georgia's got two transfer quarterbacks now, and both are uh, immediately eligible. And, um, you know, I I look at that and, I, you know, I I don't know – what Daniels did, I know he was hurt last year in the interest of fairness, cause he did sit last year after he was injured. Maybe that's a thing um that they got him on for the hardship. But this is gonna make this this uh this quarterback race very interesting at Georgia because Jamie Newman's a different style of quarterback. Um and I know Todd Mockin' come in and they're gonna revamp the offense. Um JT Daniels is more the type of guy that um you know, has played at Georgia over the years. Very talented guy. Um, so I I think Newman's gonna start the season for the dogs, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see Daniels at some point. Daniels coming out of high school, he's one of those guys that graduated early and started at Southern Cal like the the whole first year. And then he got hurt last year and lost his job to Slovis. Um and now he's at Georgia, you know, he, he had he been Part of the class that he graduated with, he probably would have been number one in the country. So you know that's a big time pickup for the dogs talent wise.
0: Well, you know, and there was there had been some talk, um, and yes, they had injuries at, at wide receiver. But uh, I'm sorry that that play calling was painfully conservative on offense recently for Georgia, and, and there has been some talk that part of the reason was they didn't want to put Jake Fromm in peril because if he gets knocked out of a game, there's, there wasn't really a plan B last year. Well, now you can throw caution to the wind. I mean, because if one of those guys has to go out with an injury, um, <laughs> you've got a pretty good backup one way or another. It's a luxury that, that few programs have, but that's what Georgia right now has at the quarterback spot. Uh, other than that, we're all just waiting. We're just playing the waiting game like you are. You know, The magazines are out and everything. I have a hard time breaking into my Phil Steele uh, which I normally would be doing at this time, and I think they're just being mailed out here shortly. <laughs> but I want to know exactly what we're looking at in terms of a season before I go knee-deep into research like I ordinarily would be doing in mid-July. But uh, we shall see. Hopefully we'll have uh, some good news for you next week. But at least, if nothing else, maybe we separated some fact from fiction, from fiction here today. JC, some final thoughts?
1: Well, just hoping that uh, maybe next time we talk, we'll have some more concrete things. Seems like every time that we get here, we're like, hopefully next time we'll have something more concrete. I think today's discussion, though, Mike, because we went through all the, the 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 we some guests we had, very topical. This episode is probably one of the most informative episodes I think that we've done. Um, and yeah. so, you know, I, I, hats off to you for bringing it. And I know I had some things too. So that this is good. Just, this <laughs> provides a service. So next time, hopefully, we have even more informing to do or something's happened and we can talk about that. I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to shake my brain to get, get it back to, like, where I realize it's July 15th. Maybe it'd be SEC media days or something right now, you know. Right, right. Um, and the season would be two weeks from practice starting. So, you know, hopefully that gets back in. I know I've been consuming a lot more sports content lately uh, because I, I think biologically I sort of feel like football is
0: coming up, and so hopefully mm-hmm. it happens. Well, I can't, and this is not a a small thing in terms of how it could affect the season upcoming. Let's all hope that baseball, NBA playoffs, uh, MLS is already underway, UFC is already underway, golf is already underway, NASCAR is already underway. Let's just hope that the other team sports go off without a hitch. Uh, When I say without a hitch, let's be realistic. Yes, there's going to be positive tests, but let's hope that there's not a major setback of epic proportions that would really at that point uh, put everything in a tailspin for college football. If you remember college basketball, the final kind of nail in the coffin was the Rudy Gobert story the night before. And once uh, the NBA canceled their season, college basketball uh, soon after followed suit. So let's let's hope these other sports that are getting ready to rock and roll Uh, only have a good success and will help lead the way for a successful college football season. And uh, yeah, you're right. I think if nothing else, if you've been listening to us over the last three plus years or even shorter, you know, we're not, we're not here to BS you. Just give it to you straight and uh, try to get you closer to the truth. And then eventually we can actually offer opinions on much less crucial stuff. Like who's going to win the East, who's going to be in the playoff, who's going to win the Heisman, things like that. I look forward to those days desperately jc is always a pleasure we'll talk to you soon all right mike thank you for jc sherbert mike morgan saying so long from now we will see you and talk to you next week